What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. So we literally broke the internet. Our website went down. We sold out. Amazon started going crazy. And just for reference, I think three weeks into launch, we'd done like 9,000 on Amazon. Three weeks later, when that episode aired, it was 150,000 and climbing. And for a new brand, you know, we're way past that now, but it's so interesting just like that moment. You're listening to What I Know. I'm Christine Ligorio-Chafkin. Today's episode, Speak from the Heart. My guest today was on the road for seven years. She worked in research in the oil and gas industry. And after a while, it took a toll on her health. So she took her discontent straight to her kitchen. She'd been taking apple cider vinegar, which lots of folks think has health benefits, but she wanted to make it tasty, but with much less sugar and additives than soda. She's Allison Ellsworth, the co-founder of Poppy, the alternative soda with very little sugar. You may have seen its bright colored cans on grocery store shelves or on Shark Tank or on TikTok. But before Allison was a D2C alt-soda sensation, she was driving across the United States, knocking on doors. Before I started Poppy, I actually used to work in oil and gas research. So right when I graduated from college, I blew it out of Texas, and I started traveling on the road for about seven years. And I lived in really small towns, and I traveled, and really just explored. And I drove across the U.S. multiple times by myself. And I did the research in the courthouse. So digging into history and finding out when the government gave the patent to the particular person and then followed their lineage forward and tracked them down and met them and learned about their families and then just talked to them on how can we work with them in in the oil and gas research on their land. While I was on the road, I was in Utah and I was at the mall. And as I was in the mall, I walked by a store, went in to buy a backpack. And my husband, you know, not husband then, was there to sell me the backpack. And he was like, hey, can I get your number? It's like an old school, like nobody meets that way anymore, right? We met at the mall. And then after that, we were inseparable. So I told him, hey, come on the road with me. We could use more help. And so we started traveling, doing this together for two years. And that's kind of when... It kind of started taking a toll on my body, and I was traveling and living in the hotels and not having great access to good food and nutrition and understanding all of that within my body, and I started getting sick, so my stomach was always hurting, and my skin was breaking out, and I couldn't quite figure out why I had no energy all the time, and that's when, after Googling all my symptoms, I stumbled across this wonderful thing called apple cider vinegar, and that's what really changed my life. Oh, interesting. Tell tell me more about that and how you consumed apple cider vinegar and what, what it did and what that got you thinking about. 
Yeah. So when I first Googled it and I started drinking it, they were like, okay, put it in this big glass of water and add lemon. And, you know, and it was one of those things that I was just choking it down every day. It wasn't something I was looking forward to, but I loved the health benefits. So within like two weeks, a lot of my symptoms had subsided. I don't know. Have you ever taken a shot of straight apple cider vinegar before? Hmm, maybe like a spoonful in salad dressing, but not necessarily um, straight. I do like vinegary drinks, though. I like kombucha. I like the taste of vinegar in general. Yeah, and for me, it's like that I can totally do. I'm right there with you. I love kombucha and like those type of drinks, but it was just one of those things I just couldn't handle. And so for me, I was like, okay, how can I create something that tasted amazing but also was really healthy, right? Because at the end of the day, I, I started you know, popping in in this journey from really having all these health issues. And so my favorite thing to do is spend time in the kitchen. And I started just tinkering around for months on infusing different vinegars, or I was, you know, simmering down raspberries. because I really did want to use like real ingredients as well. And then finally, I kind of got to a point where I got Steven, the other founder, and my husband to enjoy it. And I had neighbors asking me for it. And it was this kind of thing where it was just a side hobby. Not ever thought it would turn into anything that it is today. Right, right. You didn't set out to found a company, um, but all of a sudden you found your kitchen was your laboratory. Correct, yeah. It was super crazy. And then after that, it was so interesting with with where that took us. I was kind of sick of being on the road. I was all of a sudden feeling better. You know, my skin had cleared up. My stomach was feeling better. I had like this whole new like energy and lease on life that I was like, I don't want to live on the road anymore. I don't want to travel. And so we ended up buying a house in Dallas, Texas and ended up getting pregnant with my first child. And I kind of was like, what am I going to do? Because I'm just not a type of person to sit around and do nothing. So I started selling it at our local farmer's market in in Dallas. And within three weeks of being there, we had one of the local Whole Foods foragers come by our booth and say, this is a fantastic product. Like, you guys need to be in Whole Foods. It was such a game-changing moment. Yeah, three weeks into selling it. Was that was that the moment when you realized you had something marketable, something saleable on your hands, or did it take a little longer than that? No, that moment, it was such a pivotal moment in Poppy. You know, I, I think that's the easiest way to say it because she said that. And looking back, I'm like crazy. I, I think all entrepreneurs are crazy, but I was like, okay, I'm not going back to work. We're quitting our jobs. We're going to open our own production facility. We're going to put our whole life savings into this, and we're just going to go all in. Like, that three weeks in. Wow. So crazy. How quickly did you and your co-founders actually quit your jobs? Like, I never went back to work after that. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. You get like one bite of interest. (laughs) Please tell me you actually got into that Whole Foods. We did. We ended up getting into that Whole Foods. Thank goodness. But no, it was funny because we literally just bought a house. I was pregnant. My husband's like, you're crazy. We're not putting our life savings in this. And then finally, a few months in, I made him quit. And so it was just this one thing that we just, we really did jump in. And it was that fear, like no fear type of mentality of like, look, we have something. This is really interesting. It was life-changing to me. I want to share it with everyone else. And when you have that like power and like that knowing in your gut, it's almost like you're unstoppable at that point. And that's kind of, you know, where we were at at that time. 
With a little bit of luck, I'd say. Yeah. A little bit of luck. So had you researched the beverage industry at this point? Did you know anyone in the beverage industry? I mean, it is notoriously difficult to break in and reach the level of success that you need to actually have success, um, to be a target of acquisition by the big brands, to get onto grocery store shelves um, before you're even thinking about the future. Um, Had you done that kind of research? No, and I'm glad we didn't because to your point, there's a huge graveyard of beverages before us that have been successful and have been nationwide in many retailers and just haven't made it to that point where they're in there with the big boys, potentially IPO or getting bought or something down the road. It's a very rare thing for a beverage. Beverage is very capital intense. It is expensive to make and ship liquid and get it on the shelf and you need a lot of feet in the streets. And I'm glad we didn't know because I think it's one of those things where if you know how hard it's going to be, it almost like kills your motivation ahead of time. And so for us, we were just really in that mindset of we have something special. We have to make this successful. And that's when after getting into the Whole Foods locally in Dallas, we were doing pretty well for just me and Steven as a team of two. And we saw Shark Tank was coming to town and I was like, oh, let's go try out for Shark Tank. Like, obviously, that American dream, like, that's the next step. That's what you do. Um, and ended up going and we ended up getting on the show. So did Stephen take any convincing there Oh, to go and try out? Every step of the way. It's so interesting. We're, we complement each other really well. So I'm this say yes, figure it out. He's like, okay, let's get a spreadsheet and let's budget it and like work through it. So we've always been a really good partnership with that, but he has always just believed in me and my craziness, honestly. And it's, (laughs) it's a really good combination. And, um, he was all in. Tell me the story. Tell me how it went, how your pitch went, how the reception from the sharks was and what you got out of it. Yeah. So when we originally tried out, I think we didn't realize that Shark Tank actually reaches out to a lot of brands that are really successful and they ask them to be on the show. And we went to an open casting call. Once again, we had no idea and we just kept Does anyone actually make it from open casting? I mean, rare? It's very rare, apparently. So I think we're in like the very rarest of brands getting to go on the show. It does happen if you have a fantastic product. So I would not want to discourage anyone out there from not doing it. But it was one of those things not knowing which was in our benefit. And we just kept making it to the next um, stage. And we were at the point too, we needed a deal. We needed capital. We'd put our life savings into this. We were growing. We were starting to get in conversations to expand and a lot of other retailers like Sprouts and Whole Foods and National Grocers and like all of these places. And so we really needed this. And I feel like when you truly need a deal and you need capital, um, they lean in and I think it was like six months that we finally got onto the show and they don't tell you who your sharks are. And so we just found out who our sharks were the night before. We had one special shark that was literally perfect for us and we ended up getting a deal with him. And that was Rohan Oza. Yeah. So, so what did, what was the deal you made? You were up to what, making half a million a year or so. Was that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've done about 500,000 in revenue at that point going on the show in about a year and a half, which isn't bad. It's not like amazing or, you know, I just feel like it was, it was solid, like proof of concept. Look, there's something here. It's very interesting. And so afterwards talking to Rohan, what really piqued his interest is 
one, we tasted amazing and we were healthy. So it goes back to me in my kitchen creating it. That was the two things that were really important for me. And then on top of it, we were shelf stable. So, you know, going back to what you're saying with the kombucha industry, that's even more expensive because it's cold chain. You're having to ship everything cold. Well, we are truly a soda replacement, right? Like we're shelf stable. We're good for you. You get the carbonation. It tastes amazing. Um, And that was something Rohan personally had been looking for to add to his portfolio for a really long time. So it was almost like a perfect match. Yeah. Like pieces of a puzzle found Mm -hmm. each other on national television. You found a match, and he took a cut of your company and and then became um, a partner in, in helping you develop the concept. And uh, is that the point at which you went national? I mean, you rebranded at that point. Is that right? Yeah. So afterwards, originally, we were called Mother Beverage. We named it after, like, the vinegar, Mother Vinegar. And we went on. He's like, look, the product's amazing, but your branding sucks. So we need to do a total <laughs> rebrand. He was honest. We were like, hey, we hear you. We were worried about getting on the shelf. Now we can understand and really spend time on the brand. So we did take about eight months off, really looked at who the consumer was, where the gaps were in the market, what our product should look like. We went from bottles to cans. Should the cans be white? Should they be pink and colorful, which we ended up going with color, which, you know, screams taste. How much do we speak about gut health? How much do we speak about apple cider vinegar? All of those things went into the conversations. And then When we finally landed on Poppy, which was the new name, we were like, okay, we're going to launch it in March of 2020. I was just going to ask. Yeah, yeah. so that eight months off uh, landed you at a really interesting time for launch, right? Everything seemed good in the world until it wasn't. Um, What happened in March 2020 for you guys? It was one of the things we'd been working for so long on. And let's be real, I don't think anyone truly knew what was happening with COVID and at that time. And so once again, not knowing, we jumped all in, decided to go ahead and launch. But what was crazy, we had full national rollouts in Whole Foods and in Sprouts, but the grocery stores are more interested with getting toilet paper on the shelf than cutting in new beverages. We were so lucky to have signed up for Amazon previous and we had loaded product already into Amazon. And that's when people were like pantry loading big time and goes back to our product being shelf stable. It tastes amazing. Health and wellness is at the height of everyone's mind. And so here's apple cider vinegar. It's good for your gut, which boosts your immunity. And then something else happened that was really pivotal is we had an update on Shark Tank Air. They did like a where you're at now. We had changed the name. It was poppy and we'd filmed it previous to COVID and it launched April in 2020 on a Friday night. And it's like, how often is everyone sitting at home on a Friday night, but April of mid lockdown, right? And so literally everyone is sitting at home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like no one was leaving the house at that point. And so we literally broke the internet. Our website went down, we sold out, Amazon started going crazy. And just for reference, I think three weeks into launch, we'd done like 9,000 on Amazon. Three weeks later, when that episode aired, it was 150,000 and climbing. And for a new brand, you know, we're way past that now, but it's so interesting just like that moment. There's a few things that keep happening that kind of set us on this trajectory to where we are today. When we come back, I'll talk with Allison about how she made her brand a TikTok sensation. But first, a quick break. 
You're growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. We started really leaning into this mentality that we're a digital first brand, right? You couldn't do demos. You couldn't do in real life sampling or events or feet in the streets. Like you couldn't do any of that. And that's such a traditional thing a lot of beverage brands had done before us. So we had to be a little different in our thinking and really break through onto the digital landscape. And at that time, there were a few platforms that you did that on. And it was obviously Instagram and Facebook within now known as Meta. But it was just old school to me. It was a little stale. It was working well for us. Our CPMs were okay. And we were doing really great with like influencer strategy and really tapping into this like cultural relevancy of like what was happening at the time. But personally, when we'd actually filmed that update on Shark Tank, we had a bunch of people there that were in the crowd and there was a bunch of TikTokers like doing TikToks at a Whole Foods like while we were filming this. And I was like, what is this app you guys are on? And I mean, now everyone knows what it is, right? <laughs> but but back then, nobody was really talking about it, especially for a brand. Like there were people on there doing dances and like young kids. And so there was something that just kept keeping me up at night. Is like, how can I break through on this new platform, but as a brand? Um, and so it was interesting. I... I didn't want to take resources away from the company. I didn't want to take anybody off any projects because I was very clear from like board down level that Instagram is the way it's done and it's worked. Even like Rohan, like this is what's worked for other brands. Like focus, you guys, nobody knows what TikTok, like Allison, stop. Like really hardcore, do not do it. <laughs> it was so crazy. And so I spent my nights and weekends making TikToks me like trying the dances, doing whatever I could to just kind of break through. And nothing was really working until one night I sat down and I just told my story of why I started Poppy. And similar to what, what we've talked about today, from my health problems to Shark Tank to, you know, and retailers nationwide. And I went to bed and I woke up the next day and the video had gone viral with millions of views. We'd done $100,000 while we were sleeping on Amazon. People are commenting like, where do we buy you? Clearing the shelves that our retailers we were at. And what was interesting after that, it was like a real eye opener to everyone that had told me before, like, don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Did Rohan come back to you and say, okay, you can do TikToks? <laughs> I think he's too proud. I don't know if he'd ever admit it, but now he's like, anytime his brands are like, hey, they're trying to get on the platform, they're always like, can you guys, Allison, can you speak to them? So it was one of those things that like now it, we're on the out, other side of it. it it's, it's, they believe in it. Was breaking through just about being yourself and just telling your own story? Or do you have any other pointers for things that really worked for you or were, are working now on TikTok? Yeah, what I think works the best is, you know, I was trying all these trends, I was doing all of these things, but it was honestly just connecting authentically on that personal level, right? So you have Instagram where it's like high gloss photography and like grids are perfect and filters and all these things. And it was 
such a different landscape on TikTok. And so I think it's just another way to truly authentically and really talk to your consumers. So for me, it's through a voice of me, Allison, the founder, and I'm talking about the product. I'm I'm talking about my story, a day in the life type of situation. It's similar to influencers have been doing this for years, right? So it was a different way a brand was approaching it, I guess. This doesn't seem that unnatural for you. Was it pretty comfortable or did you have to shift your like own perspective a little bit to embrace that? It's a little bit tough because we were so used to doing such curated content on all the other platforms. So then when I was being so authentic and real, a lot of people were coming at me like, Allison, say this, do this. And it would brief me in this. And it was almost harder at that point that I kind of just had to say, no, you guys, like this is not going to work on this platform. I just kind of have to speak from my heart. And then now I think it's come a lot more natural, but it was hard at first. There's a lot of opinions that Mm. were coming at me. And so I think I always just say to people that are like, how do I get on the platform? How do I break through? It's kind of like just post. And I know people are so annoyed with hearing that, um, but don't spend a ton of time worrying about it. Just get content up and then honestly, try not to be too showboaty. Don't try to like overproduce it and just post. And is it about doing what just feels right to you, too? Or or is it just put anything? <laughs> no, it's so interesting. So I, I speak on this a lot with, with TikTok. And we're, we're doing so well on the platform as a brand from breaking through organically to our consumer and on the paid side, right? Like even the reach per thousand is insane what we're seeing within our metrics. We're using it across like to drive in-store Uh, TikTok is partnering on us right now with like, how do we really drive in store digitally? All these things are really great, but it doesn't matter what content I put out. It's still just me talking to the camera, which I know is so crazy, but I always say there's, there's really great way you can do it where you have a piece of content. So say it's me telling my story and it's a long form content, then do that story with over uh, text telling your story and then do a shorter one. So it's three pieces of content you just got from one idea Um, And then post them back to back to back. Like, you don't even have to wait to get it up. And then you can do it again the next week because nobody really goes on the pages that much. Once it goes down the feed, you just want to be on the For You page. So it's not like you need like crazy new content every single day, which is really nice. So it's like more is more, right? (laughs) It is. And what about other marketing? Like the cans are beautiful and bright and kind of splashy looking. Is that for the store shelves or is that for marketing? I would say it's a little bit of both. So like our name is Poppy. Like we named it Poppy because it's a soda pop replacement and then it pops off the shelf. But I'm even crazy with how we look on the shelf, right? So like if it was up to our salespeople, they would just put our four top flavors and call it a day. But for me, it's like our four top flavors. They might all be in like pinks and red hues. And I'm like, okay, we need green hues in there to create the rainbow to really jump off the shelf. So every little piece of everything that we do is brand forward. So we are not a performance marketing company at all. It's great if we have good performance, but we're always going to lead with brand first. So we sacrifice on certain things to make sure that we're not just stuffing poppy down people's throats to get them into the funnel, to convert them, you know, type of a situation. So for us, it's like that touch point. We really want it to be real. We want it to be uniform, you know, and I always liken this to the two brands of like Nike and Asics, right? Like Nike, it, it just do it. They they tap into your emotion. They want you to be connected to the brand. And then Asics is like, my shoe is 
afraid the souls are this. And it's very clinical driven and, and people don't connect with that the same. So those are like the two differences. We want to be Nike. Mm, yeah, it's great. Uh, so you've basically gone from being a little scrappy, tiny company with uh, without a name or with a transitioning name to being in, in thousands of grocery stores and and uh, uh, being sold online uh, rapidly every single day um, in three years. Tell me about the actual building of the company during that time. How have you created a more mature company while the, the product is, is growing in sales so quickly? We've had triple digit growth every single year. And this March will be three years for us. And when you grow that fast, it's almost hard to keep, you're like building the plane while you're flying. I know you've heard that saying, but it's been even times 10 for us. So in March of 2020, when we launched, it was me and Steven, right? We have 85 people today. Um, and we have grown so much just within our organization. So we've recently brought on a CEO. He's amazing. He ran Sparkling Ice. That, you know, I think they do over $800 million in revenue a year. And what's been really interesting just like with me and Steven as founders through all this growth, one, it's like your child is growing up. Like we're in college now. Like we're real players here. But the hard part is change, right? Like that quickly of a change over and over. And so on top of it, bringing in someone like Chris, there's a lot of egos, right, that you can't have. And you really want to support um, our company with this high growth with people that know what they're doing and that you can trust and work with. So that's been an interesting transition over the last few months just with us as founders and us as a company is like growing up and getting ahead of it. Because a lot of people wait too long because they're egos. Yeah, you've brought in in several members of the C-suite, right? Um, and and you said that it was not a process that was without emotion for you. Yeah, tell me about that and how it's it is. You said it's like you know seeing your child grow up, um, and then you have to you have to actively put in different kind of mechanisms to make it work. How how does that feel when you're doing it? Yeah, so it's interesting, and I'll say this: it's like I didn't start a company to work for people, right? But is what I've learned is like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're not in the right room. And so I don't know anything. We've never done this before. No one, Rohan has never seen a brand grow as fast as we've grown, right? And so ever in any of his brands he's ever worked with. So some of these people we bring in the C-suite, they've never even seen it. So at least they have years of experience prior to get ahead of things, right? Correctly forecasting, making sure you know, you're sourcing the right ingredients ahead of time and that you're not having out of stocks and that you're working with the marketing team to plan already in 24, right, of next year to make sure you're getting ahead of this stuff. Before it was a lot of like gut feeling and moving quick, but now we're at a different place. Um, and I'm so excited that I have the opportunity to learn from these people and grow, which has been very emotional. Um, but I think that if you welcome it versus fight it, it's a lot better because then you're sitting at the table. You're part of these decisions. You get to be part of the ups and downs versus I think there's a lot of founders out there that kind of like fight those transitions and then you're left like boxed out or in the dark or, you know, you they hire people against your will, right? And it can, be, it can get really nasty. And so I think welcoming it is definitely the harder way, but better way to go, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for a first-time founder, it, it makes sense. Um, but I can see how it's challenging. 
Are there ever situations where you're in the room and you're just like, you want to just put your foot down and say, hey, no, I made this. I get to make this decision. (laughs) Yes, there is. But (laughs) what I've learned is, you know, I think if you start thinking in the we's versus the eyes, and this is personal growth for me that I've had to deal with, is been a lot more effective, right? Like how do we succeed versus this is what I want and just like flipping the script and then seeing the angle and just try to get better every single day, just just a little bit better every day. You know, I still have some slip ups where I'm like, no, you guys, it's not how it's like, okay, calm down. We all have to make this decision together because we're just such so, so much bigger as an organization now that those little I moments, they really you know, you kind of have to have everyone on board or people are going to shake their head and then they're going to go do what they want to do because we're not all aligned. And you can't do that anymore at the size that we're at. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, Except for when it comes to TikTok, you get the final say there, right? I will be honest, like I still do run our (laughs) TikTok. (laughs) And um, I do run all of our socials and our TikTok and all of that. So yeah, I have a lot of creative freedom there. And then I still, you know, run all the creative and the visionary stuff. But now I have a great team to support with people that have done it before and can help like elevate and we can work together. So it's been it's been great. Um, it's hard to let go, but it's, I'm starting to like come out the other side of it and like, wow, I, you know, me and my husband went to dinner the other day and we didn't talk about work. And I think that was the first time in seven years that that's ever happened. Right. That, that's so amazing. Getting back a piece of me even, and then just we're killing it at Poppy and, you know, it's, it's happy. It's, it's like a really great feeling. Great. Well, thank you so much, Allison, for being here today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. with Allison. What has stuck with me is that she is a person who just makes her mind up and goes for it. When her little soda alternative brand got one single inquiry from a store at a farmer's market, she quit her job and went all in. Later, when she pitched her shareholders on starting a TikTok and they told her a firm no, she stayed up late and filmed her own. She doesn't seem like the most likely entrepreneur, a former traveling oil industry employee. But she has the decisiveness and the all-in mentality that's made everything work for her brand. It's a super simple lesson. When you're doing something you love and believe in, and you spot an opportunity, jump with both feet. Fast. And that's something we can all learn from. What I Know is a production of Inc. Magazine. Our producer, who has gone to some Shark Tank open casting calls and oddly enough hasn't gotten called back, is Joshua Christensen. Our associate producer is Blake Odom and our editor is Nicholas Torres. I'm Christine Legorio-Chapkin. Thank you for listening to What I Know.